Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Actors with Issues, the weekly podcast where we interview the rising stars of film, TV, and Broadway and give you an inside look at the entertainment industry from the ground level. Today, we are joined by stage and screen actor Quincy Chad, who you may know from hit series like Power, The Punisher, Orange is New Black, and most recently on the FX series Snowfall. What's up, Quincy? What's going on, Juan? I love the energy. That's how you bring it at the start right there. Yeah, man. Got to gotta start up high. Otherwise, it's, you know, slow inch for, <laughs> you don't want the intro yeah. energy. <laughs> Thank you for finally, finally getting me on. I'm sorry. You know, we, I feel like we were supposed to do this so many times. And then, you know, the game, it's like, boom, yeah. audition this. Oh, you got to be here. You got to do that. And then, right. So we had to push back a couple of times, but now we're here. Yeah. Uh, happy to have you on finally. And it's a, uh, it's a good reason to not be uh, able to do stuff like this is auditioning oh, and yeah. booking and, and whatnot it's the best reason you know that's the yeah 100 percent. very blessed and very grateful to be in this spot right now that's for sure um so i wanted to start off and just get your two cents about what it was like not just moving from new york to la after several years of work in new york of mm -hmm. pretty frequent booking but also what it was like moving kind of at the height of the pandemic so what was that experience like for you yeah um you know <laughs> It's kind of crazy that that's <laughs> that's what happened, but the timing, I guess, it couldn't be any better uh, in terms of like my representation. You know, uh, when you're in the business for a while, you know, some people are lucky enough to have, you know, representation that they keep right from the beginning. Uh, that wasn't the case with me. Um, I started with one manager, then went to a different management company. That management company was by Coastal, which is Vanguard, who I'm with now. Um, and what happened was one of the managers, one of my managers who was at Vanguard left to become an agent at a different agency. At the time I had Vanguard and I had another agency and um, he, Jesse Young, who's my agent now, uh, my New York agent, he left and went to Buckwald. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to take me to Buckwald uh, I was, you know, uh, open to the idea because, you know, one of the things I'd always wanted was to make sure that my bi-coastal uh, representation was set before making a move. Yeah. And so that happened right at the end of 2019 when I was finishing up One Night in Miami in Pittsburgh at mm -hmm. City Theater. And so right as the year turned, it kind of switched to Buckwald, which became, you know, which was like that whole bi-coastal thing. And, you know, I just spent a lot of time in New York and it was time to kind of make it happen. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> we did go through the COVID thing. Um, uh, the driver of the moving van, and um, I guess not moving van, truck, he actually, <laughs> this is funny how it happened. So after being in LA for about a week and a half, get a call from the moving company. Hey, just wanted to let you know that uh, your driver is in Indiana and he's been hospitalized because, you know, he's had uh, COVID symptoms, right. had some mild symptoms, obviously um, tested positive. And so then did the whole quarantine thing, went through COVID, which was, you know, not great, obviously. I mean, luckily, you know, I'm on the other side of that now, but, you know, it was really rough, um, yeah. you know, for a couple of weeks uh, there and, um, you know, trying to audition, you know, cause you don't want to turn down auditions either, right. um, but you're auditioning with COVID, you know, so you're like, they're sweating and 
kind of stuff, but got through that. Um, it didn't get to really enjoy much of LA because, you know, it's, everything's locked down, you yeah. know, and rightfully so. Uh, but leaving New York at that time, which was late May, New York was all locked down too. Right. So it really wasn't much of a change. I mean, you're going to be in your apartment, except out here, the weather's a little bit better. You can kind of get out, get some sunshine. Yeah. Uh, whereas in New York, you know, when it's winter time, you know, you're just inside anyway. So it's not like you're missing too much, I guess. But the transition was um, unique. Uh, but, you know, very grateful to be here now, you know, and still have that New York base when I need to go back and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um that's you know so many young actors are struggling for reps and and are often have a difficult time just getting the first one um and sometimes once you get the first one you realize it's just not a, a pretty good fit if it's a boutique agency and you're trying to do more than the smaller local stuff um mm -hmm. and get a little a little tricky trying to to get into the audition room so what advice would you have for for anyone sort of in that situation who's like you know, either having trouble uh, getting a rep or trying to like perfect their, their package or, or anything like that? Yeah, I think um, in the beginning for me, you know, getting a rep was very lucky for me. Um, you know, I was in a class and uh, the management company came to watch our class and they wanted to sign me after watching us perform. And that mm. was literally how I got my first rep. And then it just kind of snowballed after that. So I was very lucky to have that happen. But I would say in terms of advice for uh, younger actors looking for representation or maybe trying to switch or, you know, just get out there, uh, continue to, you know, create um, your own work uh, because there's so many avenues now um, mm. for you guys, you know, and build up your following, do all that kind of stuff that <laughs> isn't exactly quote unquote the business you know, that's like sort of tangentially part of the business, which is like your Instagram. I don't know if you're a TikTok person, whatever that kind of stuff is. Uh, a lot of that stuff is starting to matter more and more, which is not my favorite part of the industry. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, um, you know, with the younger generation just coming in, um, you know, they've grown with this stuff. So it's easier for you guys to do that. But in terms of directly looking for representation, I would say take classes, um, go to things when we can do that again, um, and try to meet people and try to just get out there and try to build up your resume so that when you do get a chance to speak to these people, you have something to offer, you have something to show. Because, you know, a lot of time people, a lot of the time people want to skip steps yeah. and they're like, yo, I want to be, able, I want to be with Gersh. Did you get me? Like, I'm like, uh, do, do you have a reel? <laughs> how many, you know what I'm saying? Like, how many credits do you have? Like, have you, you know, so for me, I had to start with, like you said, you know, we talked earlier, you know, you had an audition and it was a one-liner. I mean, that's how I started mm -hmm. was with one-liners, you know, going one line, you know, I racked my brain the day before, like trying to figure out how they want me to say this one line, <laughs> you know what I mean? And get in there and do one line. And even now I still, I respect, you know, all actors and then actors that are doing um, one line because that shit is hard. It's, it's actually hard when you yeah. have one line to do and it's like, you've got to hit the timing right. Or you get on set, you do it and you're, you're almost waiting to drop this one little thing. You know what I mean? It's my moment. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like a, a, a yeah, ball of emotion. You know, you just want to show and, you know, as actors, we want to show our talent and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not about that. 
and on the one line it's, it's really not it's just about giving them you know giving the other actor something to move the story along right. kind of, you know? yeah so yeah co-stars for sure all about uh you're either a device to move the plot forward or you're an interruption and exactly. uh, yeah there's only so many ways you can say uh here's your check you know like <laughs> as the waiter yeah. or something but you're just like you said, racking your brain thinking of like, how do I make this different? How do I stand out? It's like, it's not about that. It's not your moment to shine. Uh, and and I, I realized that once I was working on blind spot, each time it was a line or two and it was just, just say the line, dude. Like just, you're, you yeah. just, this, you're, a, you're a lab tech in this place. So this is your, your job this is where you work. These are your coworkers. You're just talking, you know, yeah. it's you're just giving information and then you're out. That's it. You're here to give information, move the story along, cut to next scene. But, you know, I was explaining that when I auditioned for Blind Spot, the, I went in for one character and then they had to rewrite the script. And I think that had a very big factor as to why I ended up getting the part, because um, it was originally for an FBI agent, like a suit and tie out in the field. And this was three years ago. So I looked a little even younger than I do now. <laughs> Yeah, and then they had to rewrite the scene to be in the lab. So I was like, "Oh, let's make him a lab tech. Let's cast that guy because he didn't look like an FBI agent at all." But we'll make him a lab tech because he yeah. has glasses and all that stuff. So it's yeah. just it's also that it's kind of like, you know, circumstantially being in the right place at the right time, being exactly what they need. Um, maybe not right when it happens, but a week later when they end up having to rewrite stuff. Exactly. Um, it, it's a lot of you know we always say, you know, what's for you is for you and, and that kind of stuff. And, and it, and it makes you feel a little helpless sometimes because you're doing all these auditions and you're like, what the hell? Like, yeah. but then you have something like that happen where you do an audition and you don't get the part, but then they change the part and then you get the part. And right. then the part ends up being something that you're doing, you know, multiple epi episodes right. on, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it, it's part of the business, you know, it's like yeah. the good and the bad <laughs> where you got to live take your hands off the wheel and let it go. Yeah. Oh gosh. Cause there's so many times that, you know, there's so much, so many different factors that go into why that person gets the role. And, you know, we hear, I feel like with, with things like clubhouse where all these casting directors are, are sort of sharing these stories, they're often saying that it's rarely about the performance. Sometimes it's like, there's too many blondes on the show where you don't look enough, enough like the actor who plays your sister or, whatever you're too tall compared to the lead or you know all these different mm -hmm. things and it's it's so much out of our control and it's important for for actors to remember that the only thing that is in their control is their performance and is their audition and their preparation just focus on that once it's done you know rip up your papers and throw them out even though i keep that them all in a, the... I keep them all in a pile but i just mentally rip them up yeah yeah that's a, you know what i i used to do actually was to you know, you've got your, your desk right there. I used to actually tack up every single one on the wall of my like office area. Uh -huh. And so the whole wall would just be full with auditions that I, whether I got them or not, I would just like put a B on the ones that I booked. And, you know, it would serve as kind of motivation. Um, and also just like as a, almost like a mural, like of what the process is, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't do it now, but, um, you know, it was at one point when I was living in Harlem, it was like pretty nice to have that just to look at like an entire wall full of like nodes. Yeah. So people understand, you know, when they come to visit, they understand what this is like, because uh, even the other day I was having a conversation and <clears throat> a friend of mine who was in the business, who's not in the business anymore, uh, was talking about, you know, 
uh, a friend of his that didn't get some part and, you know, he was crying or, or whatever it was. And then he asked me, he was like, oh, so have you ever, you know, cried about not getting a part? And I was like, I don't think I've ever cried about not getting a part. Mm. Um, and it definitely, if I have, it hasn't been recent. You know, it'd have to be so long ago, I wouldn't even remember. Because like we talked about with so many different factors, um, you could be too tall, you could be too short, you could be too big, you could be too skinny, you could be, you know, just your face, you're, you're too good looking, you're too, you're not good looking enough, your, your smile is too bright, you know, like, <laughs> it could be so many things that, you know, that day, the casting director just didn't want to, didn't like the way your face looked, you know what I mean, or didn't <laughs> like your voice, or, you know, whatever it is, it could just be so many different things that, um, you can't control. So for me, it, you know, in the beginning, I came into acting from an athletic background. Mm -hmm. So everything is a competition and it's win or loss. And so if you take the business like that, you're going to be out of the business very quickly because either that or you're going to be on skid row or so, you know, you just, you, you can't survive in this business thinking that way. Mm -hmm. At least I couldn't. I had to change um, my thought process and how I viewed everything in this business, because, you know, it became a thing where you go for an audition, you may not get that part, like you said, right? For instance, power, I auditioned for one of the, I think it eventually became a series reg, like maybe season one, I auditioned and season two, I auditioned for another part, season three, I auditioned for two parts, season four came around, boom, I get something, you know, and it's not always about oh, damn, I didn't get that one. If they keep bringing you back, that means that they like your performance, they like what you're doing, but it could be one of those million reasons like we talked about that you didn't get that first one or the second one or the third one. Yeah. But what you have to do is continue to prepare at that same level and to be as confident and positive in the next performance that you're going to give so that it gives them a reason to cast you and to want to cast you. Because like, yo, this dude's been in here, he's been killing it every time. It just hasn't worked out. Oh, this is the one. This is the one. Oh, we got him now. Like, this is the one that he fits. You know what I mean? And so to bring that full circle, he was like, have you ever cried? And I was like, I couldn't. I was like, no. He's like, well, you know, do you want it bad enough? And I was like, what is me? Cr like, me crying has nothing to do with the amount of work that I'm putting in. Right. And the the desire I have to get parts you know what I mean it's just that conceptually now I've received and and changed my thought process of how to endure this because if I cry over everything I didn't get that I really wanted you know what I mean yeah. it's not like I just started doing this you know what I'm saying so like you know I, I mean I could look up at so many different parts that go to so many different people, like these huge roles that you really want, of course, you'd love to get them. But at the same time, I understand the business. Mm -hmm. So when I get a, you know, a, a lead, lead film audition, I know that nine times out of 10, they have a list of people that they want for this part. Now, I might be getting an audition for an opportunity to knock that person out, or I might be getting that audition for just in case that person doesn't take the offer that they've already given. 
you know, and then there could be, you know, five, six more people on that list still. So I release all of that and I just focus on what I can control, which is my performance. Boom, I knock it out, make sure it's great, make sure I'm happy with it and then let it go, you know, and just let it, let it sit. Yeah. I can't imagine uh, crying over, but also you, you know, it's not like, uh, high school or in college where they like post up the cast list publicly and you see what part you got we don't get the or you know at least not for the pre-read sort of or callback level of stuff if you don't get it you, you never get confirmation that you didn't get it you only find out if you got it um you know because so much of it's like okay well the shoot date was yesterday so i'm assuming i didn't get it you know like <laughs> there's yeah so it, it's Oh God, I can't imagine like sort of pining over all of the auditions that you've put out in the past week or two and just being like, which ones did I get? Which ones did I not get? You know, mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. God, what an unhealthy way of, of, of viewing that. Yeah. And also thinking that how like emotionally invested one is into something shows any sort of level of, of you know, like right. you said, you know, the business and, and we understand that rejection is part of it all. And you know, any, uh, I taught a workshop at, at my college in Connecticut recently. And, um, you know, they always ask like, what advice would you give? It's like toughen up, like get a thick skin and, and understand that you're going to get a hundred no's before you get a yes. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you get a yes very early on, there's going to be a hundred no's after that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, exactly. Um, like with blind spot, that was my first co-star. That was my first booking. I didn't have a rep yet. And then I only worked on that show for three years because I, I didn't have a rep to, to get even get me into the door for other stuff. So mm-hmm. and, and then once that show wrapped, it's like, OK, let's what what's next. And then, you know, yeah. it's all about timing and who's on your team and and all of that stuff. So it's, it's not even just about um, just about like we said, it's not just about talent, but it's also about the business side of stuff of who's in your network and. 100%, 100%. And, and the factors of the shows, like even, you know, I had talked about um, my experience doing Orange and how that kind of like blew up way more than I thought it would. But, you know, I was doing a, a guest star recur on that. And then I think, I think at the same time shooting The Get Down, which was also in New York. So I was shooting both of those. And then I had just done the stefan marbury like basketball movie Hmm. and so it was kind of all at the same time happening and then so you think you know oh great like i'm i'm in a good place right now like i'm set for a while yeah no because then (laughs) orange ends the season and you know everyone's telling you oh you're going to be back next season but the show goes in a totally different direction because they take all the prisoners and split them up into new prisons like at the end of that next season so my character there's no way for my character to come back and do anything you know so then then the get down is finished and they don't renew another season they do part one and part two and then that's done and the movie's done so then it's like well well all right (laughs) well we got to find the next one you know what's next yeah yeah so you never really you know actors you know we never really feel set set, even if you have like a, a, a series regular on the show, you know, that show can get canceled at any time, Yeah, you know, and then it gets canceled and then you're back out there looking for the next thing, you know? So I always, now I tend to focus on whatever the next thing is. And it's the same thing, whether I'm working or not, 
you know, audition wise, I get an audition. I love this audition. Oh, what a great part. I'd be so excited to get this. This would be, you know, the one, whatever you do it. And then <laughs> what's the next one? I need a next one. You know, I want to work on something else. You know, right. That's how I work. So. Yeah. And it's, it's important, you know, to any, any young actors out there listening, um, that's that's the mindset you have to have is that you know it's just another opportunity you take your shot and and you go and then you get ready for your next one it's we can't harp on these things for too long because you know realistically especially with self-tapes now they're seeing so many more people it used to be maybe 25 appointments and now it's like 50 to 60 self-tapes i'm just making up numbers here um, but realistically they're seeing way more people because they don't have to schedule them all out. It's just, they get them when they come in and they watch them as they come in. And, um, and now they get to see people who are not in the area, even though with COVID it's a little tricky still that they're kind of trying to keep things local, but you know, they'll fly someone out if they have to. Yeah. They're flying quarantine if they need to. And you know, the thing is too, like, even if you look at the commercial side, if you've noticed, there are a lot of like high level actors doing random commercials now yeah. like campaigns and it's just because you know with covid and everything they're not doing as many films like the amount of projects you know got squeezed and so the pool gets larger but the top end stuff gets more difficult to to get because yeah. the people that are already established are doing things that they probably or maybe they wouldn't have done before or right. like that other project that was supposed to be super huge with, you know, a thousand extras and stuff They they're, they haven't been shooting it, right. you know, so now they're free and now they're doing the other movie, you know, the one where you might've had a better chance at getting before, you know, you're not getting that now, but right. that's again, is like, you know, to any young actors out there or, or, you know, people just thinking about getting into the business, you have to understand that, you know, as much as we love art and we are artists to the core that it is a business. And so um, for me, you know, accepting that and being able to understand that that's what it is, you know, <laughs> it just made it a lot easier to deal with mm. um, than, than to like, like I said, than to be so emotionally invested in every single thing that you're like, I didn't get it. My world is over. You know, what happens when you get the next audition five minutes later, <laughs> right. if you're emotionally crushed, how are you going to be able to execute that? You won't be able to. Yeah. So you got to just do your thing and let it go and go to the next one. And I'm yeah. blessed to have a next one because sometimes you get one and then it's like a Try month yeah. or something like that or a week, two weeks, you know, you know, sometimes a week can feel like a year to an actor <laughs> when you haven't had an audition, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I was telling Quincy before that I there was about a two week period. I was making a spreadsheet of all my auditions, and it was like March twenty sixth to April seventh, which is realistically it's like 10, 12 days, not even a full two weeks. Had an audition in that long, and then over the weekend was just sort of like slammed. Like here's several multi page, multi scene things you got to get done before Monday. And I'm like, well, I work full time now, so we're gonna figure out <laughs> where to squeeze these in. Day off yeah. became just we're going to just do self tapes for five hours. Yeah. Yeah. My boyfriend was yeah. not happy with me that day being my reader for so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Color no, coding his that, lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Quincy and I used to work together um, when we were both here in Brooklyn um, and got to know him a bit uh, in that it was less than a year. It was two years ago when I started there, but it, we worked together for, for just under a year because then COVID hit. 
uh, and everyone dispersed. Um, yeah. But if I remember correctly, you like didn't initially go to school for acting or you didn't major in it and then you didn't really Not at all you uh, didn't get into it until later because i feel like you told me that you had like a nine to five yeah. and then dropped yep. it i was just about to say that as you yeah. mentioned um you know being full-time that i actually started um <laughs> such a random way to fall into the business um so uh i went to wesleyan university in connecticut which you're semi-familiar with because mm -hmm. you went to school up there and um, I played football there. So my first year I was injured. So they gave me a redshirt year, which meant, you know, after graduating, I had another year of eligibility. And so I stayed and started like this graduate liberal studies program. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And so I was like, well, I'm not gonna just throw away this year of football, I'm gonna play. And so, you know, I was having a lot of success on the field and stuff like that. and. I had always looked at it as a potential career. Like uh, that's what I thought I was gonna do when I was like, you know, anywhere from eight to like, you know, 18 or 19, 20, <laughs> you know, that last year, um, you know, so I started this graduate liberal, liberal studies program with a pretty broad range of classes. Like, mm. you know, I was taking some religious theory class, some uh, class about the history of jazz, you know, and then I, there was an elective acting class. So I was like, oh, I'm going to take that because I'm going to be good at that. Like, I'm good at everything. You know, this is the way I thought as a 20-year-old. You know, it's extremely arrogant and just, you know, you think you can do anything and you don't have to do any work. You're just going to be amazing. So I went into the class and the professor was David Jaffe, who was a visiting professor from the Yale School of Drama. And so he was just teaching this class. And so I think... The, the class, you know, age range was like people in their 20s to like people, you know, late 40s. I mean, completely broad range of classes, which I think for non-actors is a kind of an interesting thing because you don't really experience that, that there are, like, you don't think about it, that there are actors that are like 16 and then there are, you know, actors that are like 60. And you may be in class with people in, in, with such a broad range. So it's like a lot of different perspectives. But... I came in and our first task was to um, like perform a monologue, part of a monologue. You know, we didn't have to have the whole thing down, but to perform part of it. And so I went back after that class and didn't do any work, came back in, just thought I would, you know, I'd kill it. I got up there and kind of like froze, didn't know what I was doing, stumbling over the words, you know, then I just started reading the words. It was awful. Probably the worst, I mean, definitely the worst bit of acting I've ever had under my belt. Um, and so the professor, you know, kind of tore me to shreds a little bit because he's like, you didn't even try to do anything, mm. you know, and you, what do you think you would just get up here and be good at it? You know, like, it, like that was, you know, an awful performance. And if you continue to do this, like, I'm going to have to basically fail you if this is what you're going to do. <laughs> so I'm used to that kind of coaching. Like I said, coming from an athletic background, you know, your coaches get in your face, they yell at you, they tell you whatever, whatever, whatever. So that kind of manifested that form through him with that acting, with acting, you know, like he gave me that kind of tough talk. And so I went back that night. I was like, yo, that shit is never happening to me again. <laughs> like I'm never going to feel like that ever again. Hmm. I went back you know, I'm in the, I'm in the crib and I'm just reading and 
you know, rehearsing and, and trying to figure things out. Like, oh, why do I say this? How do I say this like that? Like, why am I saying, you know, all this, just the possibilities went crazy. And then I didn't even notice that it was like 5.30 in the morning. I'd mm-hmm. stayed up all night working on this monologue. And so, <clears throat> you know, the next class came back in and it was like night and day. Mm-hmm. And he was like, good, you did some work. And then just moved on. Like, it wasn't like, oh, praise, (laughs) you know, that was amazing. I was like, oh, where? Like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) what I need to do, you know? And then, you know, I talked to him after and he's like, look, you you can, you have a a lot of talent, um, but there's so much more work to do, you know? And then he starts going with me, like, just looking at the monologue, like different things, like, why do you think this is happening here? Just asking these different questions that I hadn't thought about. And I didn't realize then but I'm a person that's always been enamored with the unknown and possibilities. And so acting for me is like, there's so many different choices as to why to make the choices. And, you know, why do you think that this one's the right? Like just looking at all these different ways to do things. Mm. And so that was my first experience acting, continued that class, um, left Wesleyan, uh, moved to New York, moved back to New York and, you know, at that time, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I know that I loved acting and that gave me the best feeling uh, that I had in a while. Uh, I had finally been done with football. Uh, I had injured my knee and I was like, all right, you know what? At the end of the day, like, I don't see myself doing this for a long time. So I had to find something else to do. Moved to New York, uh, started working at uh, Lord & Taylor in corporate and um, right there on Fifth Avenue. And after like a couple months, I was like, damn, man, I need to do something else. I got to figure out something. And I knew the best feeling I had since then was acting. So then I started taking classes at night. So I was basically working nine to five, taking classes, you know, two or three times a week, uh, you know, for like three hours, two, three hours after, and then going home. And so as I kept taking classes and taking classes, meeting other actors and, you know, whatever, whatever, you end up in, the one class that we're doing audition technique. And then the manager comes in, sees my, you know, audition, they want to sign me. And that's kind of just how it went. And so they signed me, but now I'm still working a nine to five. So now (laughs) I'm at the nine to five and having to basically, you know, we come to work every day in your suit and bring a change of clothes when you have your audition, try to go over your sides, at your desk while no one's looking and then sneak out for your audition, take the train wherever it is, walk in, change for your audition in the bathroom, audition, change back into your work clothes on the train back to work, Mm. you know? So I was doing that for a while until um, (laughs) I actually lucked out, had auditioned for Todd Thaler, who's a casting director Mm. and he was casting Oh my gosh, I can't even remember the name of the show right now. Jeez, I can't remember the name of the show. What year was but it? Anyways, looking it was, on your IMDb, it was Terry Terry Crews and. Oh, are we there yet? Uh, yes, are we there yet? Yeah, right. I forgot so they made that into cast- a show. Yeah, so he was casting that, and then um, they actually called my reps and he said, "Hey, uh, this show is looking for some readers. Uh, it's in Connecticut. It's in Stanford, Connecticut, which is where my parents lived." Um, they were shooting downtown in the studio and they're looking for readers. So I had been auditioning, you know, for all kinds of stuff or whatever. 
would I want to do it? And I was like, sure. What is it? Like you just go up to Connecticut basically two days out of the week and you do all the stand in stuff or whatever lines ice cube would be doing because he's not there to do the, the read throughs and all that stuff. So mm. you're doing table reads and then you're doing like the, the walkthroughs for like camera and stuff like that um, on the set. Wonderful experience. Mm. I quit my job because I knew, all right, at least I'm going to be doing this twice a week. And now I can kind of like, I can audition freely. And I know that I'm getting paid because I can at least do that. I have this reader job. So I had that for a while for like a year and some change. Um, learning i mean you're around they bring in different directors you're around all these different actors mm. just soaking up everything i could from that experience you know essence atkins was on that show and so you know these are people that work consistently and have been doing good work for a long time and have been in the business for a long time ali mm. leroy who was the first one he gave me a you know i eventually got a part on the show mm. um you know and <laughs> it's just funny how that stuff works because it was I think that was, I don't know if it was my, I don't think it was my first role, but may, it might've been my first uh, like TV role. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, I was accepting an award at a ceremony that Terry Crews was hosting. Mm. And so now picture basically me standing at a podium and there's like, you know, 40 extras and just these huge bright studio lights on me. So even though you're, you know, you're supposed to be an actor, you're supposed to be comfortable in these situations. I was nervous as fuck. Like I was nervous as hell. These lights are shining bright on me and I'm basically giving a speech, you know, um, around these people that I respect and work with, you know, uh, every day. Mm -hmm. So once I got over that first, you know, that first run through, I was like, okay, I got this, I got this boom. And then I kind of like hit it and I'm like, all right, all right, good. I'm comfortable now. Like I can do this. I'm good, whatever. And after that I had representation, you know, I had, uh, that steady kind of income on that and just kept working, 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 mm. um, and trying to, you know, get more auditions and fight the fight in the city, taking the train all over the place. And, you know, just trying to get familiar with all the different casting directors and everything like that. You know, um, so it's a very, you know, unique start, I guess I would say, because I, I didn't I didn't go to school for this. I was at first a political science major, settled on sociology and then ended up, you know, becoming an actor. So there are so many different paths out there. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. know we're all eager to get back in the audition room but with self-tapes likely becoming the new normal it's important that actors have a system in place to make the perfect self-tape audition that's why i'm thrilled to share with you all audition with sam a fantastic virtual service that provides professional audition prep for your self-tapes to stand out sam not only researches everything about the project beforehand but she also provides on-the-spot coaching that will level up your acting game 
and we have a special offer for our listeners. Use the offer code ACTORSWITHISSUES10 for $10 off your first session with Sam. Setting up an appointment is super easy. Just email auditionwithsam at gmail.com or send them a DM on Instagram at auditionwithsam. And don't forget to use that special offer code ACTORSWITHISSUES10, that's ACTORSWITHISSUES10, for $10 off your first session. Now, go nail that audition. With theater, like I started in in theater, like many actors, that's how I got my start in performing in general. And I haven't done theater in years now. And I've sort of just found myself doing more on camera stuff. And with you going to like starting with sports and then, you know, ending up, um, you know, booking left and right. (laughs) It's just wild, you know, and, and, you know, I hadn't like even, you know, haven't done the one night Miami thing that was in 2019. I mean, I hadn't done theater before that and i can't even remember how long like years you mm-hmm. know um maybe not even since college like since i took that class and then we did some theater stuff like i hadn't done i may be forgetting something but i really felt like i hadn't done theater in so long you know and yeah. it, what i will say about that um that experience specifically after having done so much television and like film um it was refreshing you know, to get out there and, you know, having an all black cast and a black director, um, you know, being (laughs) um, basically icons, you know, the black community, which ended up obviously Kemp turned it into a movie, which most people are familiar with, um, with Regina King directing. Um, That was one of the best experiences I've had. Like they asked me which role um, do you think you love the most or whatever and of course you love everything that you do um for the most part but that one specifically hit because as we talked about like jim brown was a football player an activist and then basically left at the height of his career to become an actor Hmm. so he's an artist to the core and it's kind of like parallels my story a little bit so i had such a great experience doing that um you know and becoming jim brown for you know two three months whatever that was that um it rejuvenated my um spirit with acting because you can get kind of run down you're doing all these auditions you know you're doing all this stuff and then when you get to go act you know tv and film is very different um than doing theater you can't drop the ball on theater it's non-stop you're not yeah. There's no cut and, <laughs> you know, Reset. let's redo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you fumbled that line. Oh, let's go back. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's constant. Um, and, you know, we had no intermission. So, you know, it's one of those things where you just keep going. My character was the one that left the, only left the stage one time. And that was at the end, you know, so I was on the stage the whole time. So it, it kind of gives you a different energy than when you're on set on a TV or a film thing where you, you know, you talk maybe for two or three minutes, cut, you know, you do the camera, cut, you know, mm. uh, cut. You're getting that full experience, you know, that that full energy back and forth for a consistent amount of time. And so it kind of lifted my spirit back up, like, oh, how are you? Like, this is great, you know? So I don't know, you might have to do some theater one <laughs> in the near oh, future, you know? It might, it might refresh you a little bit. Yeah, I've been wanting to. I mean, my goal for, yeah. of course, my goal for 2020 was like, okay, start auditioning for more theater. And then 
Miss yeah, Rona interrupted everything. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so that, that was definitely a big goal of mine. I was like seeing, um, cause I hadn't, I didn't, I didn't have my, my manager at that point I actually signed with them in the middle of the pandemic. They reached out and, and we ended up signing in October. Oh, right, um, right, right. I remember that. It's amazing. Yeah, congratulations you. on that. So thank you. You know, it's, so it's been a great ride so far. I'm very happy. Yeah. With with that, yeah. that's that shows just patience is key and having your your shit together because they found me and they reached out. Um, I was kind of petrified and I was like, oh, I don't have enough material. I don't have a strong enough reel to. No, they know that they've been through that, man. That's how it is in the beginning, man. Right. I, I tell actors this in the beginning. Um, you know you don't have a resume, right? Like, right. unless you start doing stuff, which is why I always said in the beginning was to create your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, in the beginning for me, I had an actor that I knew of as a friend of mine. He was like, yo, just make shit up. <laughs> so, you know, in the beginning my resume was like, you know, it would be like Blue Flame directed by <laughs> Jim Wells, you know, yeah. some random short film. It's just so that you have something on the paper when you come into the room to audition. Like no one's gonna check these random films right. that you're talking about, you know. Like, you just don't want to go in there with an empty piece of paper and like, right. yes, I'm with an your actor. your name at I've the top, nothing. non-union. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, yeah. he convinced me to do that, and then I did that until I, you know, had a couple short films, like student films and stuff like uh-huh. that, that were actually real, so I could then get a real, and now I have a real, a real resume. You know, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta kind of hustle in the beginning, you know still hustling now you got to hustle the whole business is that way you know so it's funny with um you know with with making up credits it's it's good for anyone listening don't plug yourself into actual shows or movies that exist they'll know especially if it's a check who cast them because i've heard stories casting directors like i cast that movie i didn't cast you in that you know um Good point to make. Good point. To um, make. But yeah, just make up a random movie, please. Don't, right. don't say like I was in Transformers or something like that. <laughs> um, and also just going out and, and producing your own stuff. You know, um, we know plenty of actors who have ended up getting their stuff into pretty big festivals. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, like with um, with Kazi and, and Standing Eight, that thing's gone, uh, like, I feel like, around the world. <laughs> yeah, it really has. It really has. You know, yeah. that was a great experience, too. And that was just a... I'm trying to remember how I even... How I even got that. Kazi, I think, was a like a PA on the first film, first short film I ever did. I didn't uh-huh. even know he was a PA until he told me, like, after we did Standing Eight, that he was like, oh, yeah, I was a PA on that. It was a film called Blood Run Free <laughs> that we shot in the Bronx. And I met a couple actors that I, on that um, set uh-huh. that I still talk to to this very day. Like literally uh-huh. the first thing I ever did, um, random short film. It was being cast. I think they cast it at NYU. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, these guys are, they're still friends of mine to this day, uh, Al, Al Rutherford, who's doing a show now, he's shooting a show in Atlanta, Teron Jones. Wow, it's crazy to think that that, you know, those relationships have lasted this te- the test of time. Mm. Even uh, uh, Reina Anakwe, who's a good friend of mine, she uh, is into so many different things now. And she introduced me to Susan Aston, who has basically become my acting coach. Mm. Um, who was James Gandolfini's acting coach, rest in peace. And 
sheet randomly when I, I got this role in the get down. Yeah. I walk onto set and she's the Jaden Smith's acting coach. So she's on set for the get down. So I'm walking on with my afro and she's like right there. I'm like, yo, what are you doing here? She's like, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the acting coach like on set. I was like, oh God. So she's there every day that I'm doing it. And it's like the yeah. world is so small. Yeah. I had been taking classes with her because she taught Reina at the actor studio. Mm. And so that's why, even though I didn't go to conservatory, I have a lot of the training because I studied with the same professors that taught at these places. Yeah. And I've been in classes with all of these actors who have gone to conservatories, you know? So uh, that's another thing for people that maybe if they don't have um they didn't have the money or they you know just couldn't get into conservatory or you know however it is that maybe you haven't gone to a full drama school and you want to take classes look for the teachers that teach at those schools to try to get training from them if you're looking for people because those people are established they know what they're doing yeah you know they're in these programs for a reason and that's the best way to get the training you know so you know, there are so many people teaching acting classes that you don't want to just take random people. Look for yeah. recommendations from other actors um, and look at what they've done. You know, it's a very yeah. important part of sort of weeding that stuff out. Yeah, there's a definitely look at resumes because I, I feel like there's a lot of um, otherwise inexperienced actors teaching acting who may have gone to a great school. But I, I, I personally like learning from people who have booked and who not only have training but the onset experience um mm -hmm. you know that's that's why i go to you for <laughs> for help with certain <laughs> things i'm like hey man yeah. can you help me out with these sides uh breaking it down uh and you know i'll go to my to my other coach as well who you know has been booking yeah. work consistently for like 30 years and um but yeah uh, so don't want to keep you for too much longer. So we always end yeah, the show sure. with a rapid fire round of questions and a segment we call getting to know you as if we haven't gotten to know you for the past, like 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, but we're going to start with, uh, some easy questions. Uh, might not be that easy, but, uh, first one's definitely easy. Uh, coffee or tea. I grew up, you know, my parents from Trinidad and like, they didn't really drink coffee. Uh. It was tea and it was always tea. If you Almost any West Indian, if you talk to them, most of them is drink tea. You drink tea at night, you drink tea in the morning, you drink tea in the middle of the day. It's kind of like a British influence that happens. Um, so I've always been all about tea. But recently, you know, my girlfriend's gotten me into coffee and now I'm drinking more coffee. I have a coffee right here. I don't know, man. I might have to. Uh, don't strike me down. Now. I, might have to say, I might have to say coffee now, man. Coffee is... You know, at this great. very point like my, in time, coffee. <laughs> yeah, at this moment right now, since I've drinking a cup of coffee, I'm going to say coffee. Uh, TV or film? Well, you know, I'm going to cheat here again, and I'm going to say TV, because right now, the, every film is on TV. It's HBO Max, mm -hmm. all these films, Paramount Plus. The films are going onto our TV screens. Yeah. So that's an easy out. I can say TV. Uh, drama or comedy? A drama. No question. Question. Uh, what is your most recent binge watch? Them. Them on Amazon Prime. I just watched, just just finished it like yesterday. Yeah. Uh, movie that never fails to make you laugh. Very random film, I'll say. I Spy. 
with Eddie Murphy, the remake that they made, it was originally with Bill Cosby, but I Spy um, with Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy. Very, very randomly remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eddie Murphy is like a, a a boxer, and they ask him to go undercover with Owen Wilson to like take out this, I don't know, bad guy or whatever. It's just consistently always hilarious. <laughs> uh, movie that never fails to make you cry. Mm. Movie that never fails to make me cry. There, there are a couple that are good, that are really emotional. He's going to say Titanic. <laughs> no. <laughs> Titanic is a good one, but um, I'm trying to remember the name and I can't, but I can just remember um, like some scenes. And who's in it? I'm going to look it up. Uh, that's, I, I'm embarrassed that I don't remember the name. Um <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to get it. I'm going to scroll. It is uh, it is a classic, and I don't know why I can't remember it. That is it. Beloved. Beloved. I don't know. It's Danny Glover. Yeah, Danny Glover and uh, Oprah. Yeah, it's that's a... Heavy hitters. Pretty, uh, <laughs> yeah. Kimberly Elise. Yeah, it's, it was... That, that's an old school one. But... Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good one. It's a it's a Tony Morrison novel that they made okay. into a yeah. Gotcha. That one is always getting me. Huh. There there are a few more, but I don't know if we need all that right now. <laughs> it might take me that long to remember the names of them. <laughs> uh, what role did you have the most fun playing? Yeah, we kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, that would probably be damn. You said fun though. I mean, anytime it's hard to compare. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to compare. Uh, you know, doing a uh, doing a theater run, you know, you're getting the energy of the crowd. And now, yeah. especially now with no theater happening, it's like it's almost holding a more special place because yeah. who knows when that's going to happen again. Right. You know, and if it might be totally different when we go back to it, the way that we get to enjoy theater. Um, so the Jim Brown one night in Miami sticks out. Uh, in terms of fun, yeah, I guess I had to take that one because, I mean, it was just a bunch of us. I had never been to Pittsburgh and we just hung out. My mom and dad came to see that play um, down there in Pennsylvania and some other family and stuff like that. They got to see it live. Mm. You know, that's something that I'll always hold dear because, you know, they're getting older and, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to do another play in front of them, you know, anytime soon i don't mm. know when it would happen um so i'll probably stick to that but i've had some that's been a lot of fun too um mm. snowfall was a ton of fun getting to getting to do that um you know with some of the great actors on the show and like you know the show being such a such an actor show mm -hmm. you know i think we do things sometimes as actors and a lot of the tv and stuff like that becomes almost like microwave pizza, you know, where it's just, all right, we got to get the shot. Boom, done, boom, yeah. done, get this, and it's done. You know what I mean? And so when you do stuff like that, I do believe the acting suffers, you mm -hmm. know, when you're just pumping it out like a yeah. machine, it's just, it's only natural. So Snowfall was a ton of fun as well, like getting to, to really get into some stuff and having some freedom to move around and they, you know, 
them keeping the cameras rolling and your ad living afterwards and all that kind of stuff and, and just having that kind of fun was great too you know mm. uh is there any so i'll change the question a little bit is there someone else mm -hmm. from history that you'd like to portray <laughs> history that i'd like to portray you know <laughs> there are a couple of other people um sure uh you know over the course of my career probably auditioned to play muhammad ali maybe i don't know <laughs> at least five times uh so that would be great but recently you know there have been so many things talking about uh mike tyson and being from brooklyn i think that holds a special place in my heart i think to be able to do that and him being such a complex uh person you know having been through so many different stages of his life where he is now where he seems like he's finally like really peace at peace with who he is yeah and you know going from you know basically been being in and out of jail as a young kid i mean before he was like 14 he was in jail like 38 times like got arrested Jesus. 38 times yeah. yeah so like you know brownsville brooklyn i mean that would be that's probably at the top of my list right now yeah hmm. Uh, and lastly, in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young performer? Preparation. Understand that it's a business. Quincy, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Um, if anyone wants to follow you on, on social, where can they find you on, on Instagram? Uh, at Quincy Chad. And that's on everything. <laughs> it's the easiest way to keep it all together, right? Yeah. And uh, you all can follow us at on Instagram at Actors with Issues. A big thank you to our sponsor, Anchor, for supporting the show. Head over to anchor.fm to get started on your very own podcast, 100% free. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. Leave a rating and review. And you can catch new episodes every Friday on all podcasting platforms. I'm Juan Yala. This is Actors with Issues. And we'll see you next week.